Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Happy Tuesday, Lisa. Happy Tuesday to you, Melissa. How are you? Anything going on with your family? Uh, we traveled for Thanksgiving, so it was, it's a bit of a trip. We travel from Maryland to Georgia to the like Chattanooga area, so Tennessee, Georgia line, and it's a long drive. We used to travel to Connecticut, which was still a trip, but we took it for granted now that we have to drive like 10 or 11 hours. That is a long trip. The, usually for the holidays, if we travel, which we generally don't, it, you know, we go to Seattle and that's about five and a half hours or so for us. So, but for the most part, you know, we have such a big family that um, there really aren't very many people we can visit or places that we can stay. So we tend to stay home more for the holidays, especially because our big kids uh, join us here, which is my favorite. Yeah, that's fun. So Melissa, I have a question for you. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a doctor for as long as I can remember from the very first, all the way through college. I even chose my college major based on how I thought it would get me into pre-med. And then I got married and had a kid. So I'm not a doctor, as you all know. (laughs) (laughs) That changed the course of your life. That is really interesting because my life path changed for the very same reason. I thought I would be a psychologist. I planned to go to grad school. I had applied to grad school and been accepted and then found out that we were expecting Hannah. And so I thought, well, I think I, I need to focus in on her for now. And then Russ got accepted to grad school and we moved back east and decided that it wouldn't probably work for both of us to be in grad school at the same time. And so we decided to go ahead and build our family. And as you know, that's what we continued to do for 20 years. And I never did make it back to grad school. I've thought about it now, but I I don't think that is probably what I'm going to do at this point. Yeah, I keep telling myself that Dr. Purvis went back, you know, in her 50s. And so I still have some time, but I'm with you. I am moving into a season where I'm really doing what I love and I might not need to go back to school. So yeah, that's kind of where I am too. I, I feel like the, the core things that made me want to be a psychologist are still part of who I am, but I've just found a different way to use those gifts. Yeah. And I'm betting people who read your blog on a regular basis feel like you have been their counselor and psychologist. So I think you're doing it without the red tape of a license and the expense of grad school. Well, and I think I know my limitations. So I, I, there are things I really feel comfortable coaching and helping people with and other things where they definitely need a professional. And I, I think I'm good at knowing the difference. Okay. So this week we have a really great interview for you. When I was catching up with my friend, Wendy, and I realized that she was exploring the world of what you'll learn about the strength finders tool. All I could think about was my older kids. Wendy lives in California with her two kids and her husband and a horse of a dog who lets us live with him is what she told me, which cracks me up. So she has a background in creative design strategy and development for digital and print products. It's kind of a fancy way of saying she likes to tell stories with words and pictures 
and she loves to encourage teams and families and individuals to live out their strengths. She's going to tell us a little bit more about that, but she has a particular passion for serving at-risk youth, the people who love them, and other people affected by trauma. She does a fantastic job of sharing her heart with us in this interview. In her spare time, she also loves books, music, and travel. So I am really excited for you guys to learn more about what this topic holds for our kids. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. When I listened to her interview, I wish I had known some of the things she talked about when we were starting to help our kids find their way and their career paths and plans for their future. You know, we've launched now seven kids (laughs) and they're doing well. But anyhow, the tools that she talks about and her insight into the unique gifts of our kids is really, really good. I just loved this interview. So I'm ready. Let's hear it. Wendy, thanks so much for being on the Adoption Connection podcast. Oh, yeah. It's great to be here. So thank you so much for being our strength finders expert. I have very little exposure to strength finders. I'm brand new to it. Just about, I don't know, maybe six to nine months ago, I was introduced to it and had the privilege to figure out what my top five strengths are. So could you tell us a little bit for people who have never heard of Strength Finders or just don't know that much about it, what exactly is Strength Finders and why are you so passionate about it right now? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll start with the why in that, and then I'll get to what it is. But basically when I was growing up, I always found myself craving change. I would look at situations and I would always want to know a new way to do it. In my brain, I always wanted to find the most efficient way to complete a task. So this always led me to seek out new experiences and new ideas. It's why I went to college 3,000 miles away from my hometown. And it's eventually why I became a foster parent, why I went back to college at 41, uh, and why we've lived in six different cities in two different countries in the past 20 years. While that might either sound really exhausting or really exciting, depending on who you are, inside, I lived with this nagging feeling that there was something wrong with me. My dad had had the same job from age 16 to 65, and my parents had lived in a, within a 20-mile radius until retirement. My in-laws are the same. My sister lives four miles from where we grew up, and her kids go to the same high school we went to. She's had the same job for 15 years. I just always felt like I was broken because I wasn't like all of them. And then I took this Clifton Strengths or Strengths Finders, whichever you call it, want to call it, but I took this assessment and it's based on 40 years of research into human strengths. It's a tool that measures the presence of a talent in 34 different areas. And they ask, they do this by asking you to respond to a series of paired paired statements. And you'll know that since you took the assessment, you know, they give you a couple of, they say, which of these sounds more like you? So according to Gallup, the odds of someone having the same top five strengths as me in the same order are one in at least 33 million. And the odds of someone having all 34 strengths in the same order as me that's like infinite. 
So this was way different than any other personality test I'd ever taken. It was a little creepy because it felt like when I was reading my, my results, I was re thinking, did someone like have a camera in my house and watch me for a while? Because how do they know this stuff about me, right? But with this, I received this language to describe the parts of me that I'd always thought were broken, the parts that I thought were weaknesses. And the more I read about my strengths, the more it just made sense. And the more I looked at what God's word has to say about how he made me and, and who he made me to be, the more I became absolutely convinced that living our strengths is not only common sense, it's God-ordained. I love that. And I remember hearing about the odds of someone having your exact order of, your, of all 34 strengths. And I love when research and science backs up what we believe to be true about how God made us as unique people. And it's so cool. My science brain, you know, the one that likes to be efficient, just like you, just thinks that that is so cool to have on paper your individuality. And I know it's way more complicated than that, but, you know, our kids struggle so much with shame and self-confidence and, yeah. you know, whether or not they're wanted and how they fit in and they've been through so much. And I can totally see how it's impacted you. I love how you tell your story. And I remember when we first talked about this, my mind started racing about the impact that this could have with kids, you know, because you were a kid for so long that just didn't feel like you fit in. And now you have the ability to speak to kids about their strengths. So what has been your experience with that? And how do you see that transforming the lives of the youth that you're working with? Well, there's been a ton of research in the past few decades, and I know you've looked at this, and I'm sure um, your listeners have heard about this too, but into this, what's commonly called positive psychology, right? So it's the idea that if we focus on, it's, well, the, it's the idea of focusing on what's right with people instead of what's wrong with people. And I think talking with kids about their strengths is exactly that right? It's, it's looking at what's working in your life and how can you get more of that, not what's broken about you. So the University of Pennsylvania has done a ton of research into the effect of positive education on kids and teens. And they define positive education as that which teaches both traditional skills like literacy and math, as well as things like happiness or confidence, or love, balance, kindness, and contentment. And their research shows that when we teach kids the skills of well-being, as well as the skills of achievement, we have the antidote to the increase in depression that we've seen. I mean, some people say that it's 10 times what it was 50 years ago. While having well-being taught in our schools would be awesome, I think the best place to teach this stuff is at home. So talking to our kids about their strengths is a great way to teach them confidence and balance and contentment. And learning how to live your strengths is a huge step towards figuring out what you want to, quote, do with your life, right? It gives purpose to our lives. Ephesians 2 says that we are God's masterpieces and that he created us to do the good things that he planned long ago. Like, that fits totally to me with this notion that 
all of this was on purpose. It's not random. It's not haphazard. I just can't believe that he gave me a set of strengths without a specific purpose. So I have been privileged to walk with over two dozen families adopting kids in Nicaragua. And time and time again, I have seen God match a parent's unique skills with exactly what that kid needed. So for example, after arriving to meet one kid, a mom found out that the toddler had significant weakness on one side of her body that could be helped with regular physical therapy. And of course, the mom just happened to be a physical therapist, right? She didn't know that this is what the kid needed before she arrived in Nicaragua. And yet God brought her there specifically for that child. Or how about the family who adopted a little girl who ended up needing eye surgery, very similar to what the adoptive mom had experienced when she was a child. And less easy to talk about are the people whose history of being abused as a child uniquely prepared them to parent other survivors. So God just doesn't waste any of this stuff. That is huge for me because I have spent a lot of time thinking, God, you gave me the wrong kids. I was not set up for this. This is not what I asked for. I didn't sign up for this. And and I hear that from other moms who say, I just feel like if they were in a different family, if they had this resource or that resource, it wouldn't be turning out like this. And I remember thinking, my kids need someone who's a bigger cheerleader. They need someone who, where positive psychology comes naturally to them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come naturally to me. I, kind of like you, are always looking to see how things can be improved, which is great to a certain extent. And I've talked about this before. The bad side to that is it feels like I'm critical all the time because I mm-hmm. always can see ways that things can be improved. I recognized that my kids needed something more than that a long time ago, and it just is hard for me. And so can you talk a little bit about how we can practically use that for our kids and to reconcile kind of the family that God created for us, you know, the the kids that he put in our lives? Have you seen moms who are just kind of at the end of their ropes kind of get a little glimmer of hope because they have words to use with their kids and they have words to understand why they are a good fit for those kids? Oh, yeah. Well, you've got a ton right there. Now I have to unpack all of that, right? (laughs) Like you you just said like three questions in one. So um, let me start first with... um, I think we all ask this question of kids, right? We say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I think for some kids, this is a way to give voice to their dreams. And it's great. But for a lot of kids and even adults that have no idea how to answer that question, it only makes them feel anxious and purposeless. And those are two things I don't think God ever intends for us to feel, right? So having our kids take this assessment gives them and us the language to talk about how they are uniquely gifted. Gallup has actually abbreviated, they have an abbreviated version for kids ages nine to 13 that provides their top three strengths. And in the results for that, they provide tips on how to parent the kids with these particular strengths. So even if you're feeling like, I'm not equipped. I don't know how to do this. The results that they give you helps give you action items and tips for how, you know, exactly how to speak into the life of a kid with these certain strengths. 
In my experience, teenagers are better served by taking the regular assessment. It provides an even more detailed report about the, to the top strengths and very specific action items that they can take as well. It gives teens really helpful language to talk about themselves in job interviews, for example, or on college admissions essays. In fact, there's more than 600 colleges and universities that are strength-based institutions, and they use this assessment and they use people's strengths to put them into study groups, to help them learn better. I mean, all sorts of different ways. There's over 19 million people that have taken this assessment in the last 17 years. So there's a ton of information available online. There's even apps and podcasts totally dedicated to discovering your strengths. All of that to say, it's really, there's a lot of resources out there once you've identified your kids' strengths to help them live out their strengths. Like you don't have to feel like, you have to have all the answers. Does that make sense for that part of your question? Yes, and that's super freeing. And we will have all the links that Wendy suggests and all the helpful things in the show notes. And so we'll tell you how to get to those at the end of the show. One of the things that really resonated with me while you were talking was this idea of kind of job readiness. And we adopted kids who are older, and we know that a lot of our listeners are parenting kids who either they adopted as older kids or are just now, you know, teens and young adults. Sometimes it's really intimidating to think about how to get them ready to launch into the world. And some of them have so many struggles and they're not typical learners. I can really see how this could help us be our kids' biggest cheerleader and give us the tools to point them into areas that they will find success in. So have you been able to kind of take the strengths of teens and young adults and kind of help point them in a direction where they can feel confident to move forward? What comes to mind first to answer that question is um, that I volunteer with a nonprofit here in San Diego that works with former foster youth. So these are all kids that have basically aged out of the foster care system. They're in the 18 to 26 age bracket. And this organization seeks to help them have uh, a group of adults around them that can help them grow and have connection and, and be supported, right? So last summer, I did a strengths workshop with a bunch of those former youth. And it was really interesting. I noticed that empathy was in the top five for a ton of the participants. And I've been doing these types of workshops, mostly with um, work teams. Up until that point, I had been doing them mostly with like office teams or in, a in the college setting. And this was the first time that as I looked out across the room, I had a ton of people with empathy in their top five. And I thought that was really, really interesting. So I brought attention to it. <laughs> and several people raised their hands and said, how is empathy a strength at all? You know, they've, they never thought that that was a good thing, given their backgrounds. One young, young woman had been so discouraged from ever showing too much empathy as a child that she just always felt like she was a failure in that area. She was always the one who cried and it was shameful. So when I asked her friends sitting near her 
to tell her about times that they had seen her use empathy as a strength, they immediately listed off several things. They didn't even have to sit there and like think about it. They just started naming ways that she, that her amazing strength of empathy had come out in one of them worked with her. So in a workplace setting or at home, and we watched her seem to transform right in front of our eyes. And I asked her how it felt to hear those things. And she had this big smile on her face and she said, it felt amazing. She had no idea that empathy was anything other than a weakness. And I told her that our world needs a lot more people living out some empathy. What an amazing story and something that I'm sure she will identify as one of those like transformational moments for the rest of her life, turning something that she thought was a failure into a weakness. And I just think about all the times that we could help our kids transform a negative thought into a positive thought or a failure into a strength. Yeah. Well, the other strength that I saw disproportionately in that group was Gallup, the one that Gallup calls restorative. So people with this strength are natural problem solvers. Instead of being frustrated when facing a challenge, for example, they are energized to come up with a solution. When you consider how many foster kids are faced with significant life challenges, we probably shouldn't be surprised when a lot of them cultivate a talent for problem solving, right? But here's the thing. These were all kids who aged out of foster care. So in many cases, they felt like their lives were one big fat failure. The nonprofit that I work with here pays for every participant in this program to take the Strength Finder assessment. And so at this workshop, I got to be a part of telling these young adults about their top five strengths. And you tell kids who have thought that they were never good at anything that, guess what? Here's five things that you're really good at. And they're like, what? Wait, tell me more. And it's just this amazing game changer, right? Oh, that's so good. I love it. So on the flip side, our kids who think they're failures have an incredibly sensitive shame core. It doesn't take very much for them all of a sudden for their self-confidence to collapse and for them to think they're not good enough. And so how do we balance explaining what their strengths are without them feeling pressured? Like I can almost imagine some kids hearing their strengths and then feeling all this like kind of performance anxiety about, oh, I have to be the person who's empathetic in a situation or I have to be the person, you know, who can communicate to the room or, you know, other strengths that you've mentioned. So how do you balance that with kids who are so fragile and have had really tough starts in their lives? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, definitely a great question. The thing about strengths is that they totally energize us when we get to use them. So let's look at a specific strength to better understand this. So let's look at the strength that Gallup calls achiever. Do you have that one? I can't remember. Uh, I think I do. <laughs> okay. That sounds like well. Me. I asked someone whose number one strength is achiever to explain to me what it means to her. And this is what she told me. She said when she gets out of bed in the morning, it's like she has an empty bucket in which to place all of her day's achievements. She loves adding to that bucket, no matter how small or how big the achievements. And sidebar, 
these people that have achiever in their top, especially top one, two or three tend to be the people that make um, lots of lists and they maybe even add something to their list after they've done it, just for the pure excitement of checking it off. Just to cross it off. I love it. I'm looking as you're talking. I'm my number four is achiever. So yes. Okay. So she says that she can work 10 hours on a task that would drive a lot of other people totally crazy. And yet when she finishes, she is not exhausted. She is absolutely energized. Using her achiever strength helps her to be a natural self-starter and a hard worker. So when she's living her strengths, she's not increasing her anxiety. She's decreasing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. It's so funny because my husband and I recently kind of switched jobs. He's staying at home with the kids, holding the house down, playing Mr. Mom. And I was tasked with providing and I didn't want a traditional job. I wanted to kind of keep some of the flexibility that I've always had as a stay-at-home mom. And so I set out to just start my own company rather than go find a job. <laughs> and I didn't give myself a lot of time to make this happen, you know, to, I didn't give myself a ton of time to, you know, get all the pieces together and make all the ends meet. And so I've been hustling like crazy. It's almost exhausting. My husband just watching me. He's <laughs> kind of the opposite personality than me in a lot of ways, but I am like, you know, I'm tired in some ways, but I'm also like, I'm super energized. Like I could just keep going and going. And the bad thing is I can become a workaholic, but yeah, I have achiever and activator are my four and five. And so, like you said, like when I'm living in those spaces, it's a lot of hard work, but there is something super energizing about it. So I can, to I can totally relate to that. So I love that. Yeah. Well, but here's the rub, right? The rub comes in when we feel bad, because when we're feeling bad, and we'll talk about in a minute here, the reasons why we feel bad, but when we're feeling bad, we have a really hard time living our strengths well. So I have this little acronym that I use to talk about the different types of barriers to our strengths. So these are the different ways that we feel bad. And we all require certain key things in order to keep on living, right? I think we can just agree on that. Well, these barriers represent a lack of those crucial things. So the acronym that I use is SLATHY. Uh, I'm still figuring out exactly how to say it, but the letters hold true. S-L-A-T-H and sometimes Y. That's gonna, that's, uh, anyway, so the S stands for shame, right? So when we feel shamed, we feel a lack of worth and a lack of hope. And that is just a terrible, terrible way to live. When we feel the L stands for lonely, when we feel lonely, that is a lack of connection, right? It's a lack of attachment, affection, belonging, and love. When the A stands for afraid. When we are scared that we don't have safety or shelter or security. The T is for tired. If we don't have rest, right? A lack of rest really messes with us. And the H stands for hungry or thirsty, which is just a general lack of nourishment, which we all need. And then the Y is my leftover to fill in the blank. It's just yucky, right? Maybe we're sick or whatever. We've all looked at our kids or ourselves and been like, we're dysregulated, right? We're just, yeah. we don't know why, but we just feel yucky. 
So as the researcher Brene Brown says, in the absence of love and belonging, there's always suffering, addiction, depression, anxiety. I mean, when we are slathy, when we have any of this stuff going on, we can't live at our strengths. We just feel worthless and disconnected or any of those, you know, scared, hungry, tired. Uh, we can't even like recognize our strengths in those moments, let alone use them. You know, researchers say that when strength, when students are in a positive mindset, they're more capable of learning, paying attention, being creative and thinking about what's right here. Right. But when we're feeling slathy, it's the total opposite. We get defensive. We fall back on old habits. We ignore others and we focus on what's wrong. Remember that restorative strength that I mentioned was super prevalent in the group of foster youth that I worked with? Yeah. When someone with the restorative strength feels slathy, they are much more likely to be overly critical, self-critical specifically. They see all the problems within themselves and they feel like they need to fix themselves before they can do or be any good to anyone. This also makes them vulnerable to pointing out the flaws in those around them. I know I've seen this play out in my own home, and I'm pretty sure I'm not alone there. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, oh, my gosh. Like, okay, this is going to turn into a therapy session with me. So (laughs) my number one is communication. So that means that I love words. And it's my number two, by the way. way. So we're right there together. Oh, good. I'm in good company. It's why we're (laughs) writers and we love to talk to people. So I remember my mom talking about me as a child. And one of the stories that comes up over and over again is how I never shut up. And she would always tell the story about this recurring thing that would happen when she'd be putting me to bed and I would be chit chatting about the day. And she's the opposite of me. She's quiet. She's an introvert. She's a loner. She loves, you know, she loves her own space and her quiet. And I'm the extrovert. And I always was, you know, kind of driving her nuts with my need to be around people because she didn't want to be around people. And I would be talking to her about my day. And she said, at some point I would just need to leave because I couldn't stop you. And so I would put you to bed and you would start talking. And she goes, at some point I would just leave the room and you would still be talking. (laughs) I remember also being chastised a lot for being too talkative. And I'm sure there were probably inappropriate times when I was, you know, talking in class and, or saying things I wasn't supposed to be saying, but I can totally relate to that. You know, when I, when you're with someone who doesn't have that as their strength and they're, maybe they're not a good listener and my mom was a fantastic listener, but maybe they just don't want to hear as many words as I have to say, I started to feel shame about how talkative I was and, Mm. and and she didn't mean it, but I, I can just look back and think, gosh, you know, that was in my gifting and she encouraged it in other ways, but you know, there was still this piece that was like, oh, just stop talking. <laughs> so yeah. I love what you say about living in those spaces and how that can decrease anxiety and how when someone isn't appreciating that strength in us, it can make us feel lonely and shamed and afraid and it's energy zapping to live in a way that meets others' expectations instead of just leaning into your strength and I guess being like loud and proud for how God made you and what, what your gifting is. 
and there's a couple things within that, right? Just like they say when we get on airplanes that we have to take care of ourselves before we can take, take care of those in our care. You know, I know when I'm hungry or I'm tired, for example, I have a hard time thinking straight. And if I'm stuck in a fear cycle for whatever reason, I can pretty much forget about using my strengths. So as a mom, I have to take care of myself making sure that I'm not in that slathy mode when I'm going to interact with my kids, right? Because I'm much more likely to share my shame with them, to inflict it on them, you know? Um, and so the, one of the things I love about strengths is that it gives us the language in families, for example, it gives us, us the language to understand each other's strengths and to understand, for example, my daughter, uh, her number two is empathy. And so while she's amazing at empathy, it's also can get really exhausting to be accepting the, the feelings of someone else, right? Because she's frequently interacting with people and, and participating in their feelings and accepting those. And so she does have to learn, sort of like how your mom had to walk out maybe, she does have to learn what's good for her and when it's good to step away and not to participate or not to engage. But we have better language now in our family now that we understand this. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on something that we talk a lot about here at the Adoption Connection, that the foundation of great parenting starts with ourselves. And it's that whole concept of the oxygen mask. And so I love that you're saying that because that totally fits in with a lot of things that we say again and again and again. Yeah. Just for pretend, not that any of us would ever have a child who would be in this situation, but what if you happen to have a kid who is a little bit obstinate, who you're maybe not always on the same team as, you kind of struggle and you're butting heads a lot. And you really think that this would be a great resource for them, but they won't take the test or they'll, they're going to take it and not take it seriously. So are there ways to kind of hunt out our kids' strengths without their participation and cooperation? Definitely. So to do so, we just need to switch our own frame of mind from what's wrong to what's right. So it's really easy, especially when our kids seem to know how to push all of our buttons and get under our skin to focus on what's wrong with them and what's not working. So we have to change gears and look for what is working. So back before I knew all the research behind all of this, I found myself stuck in a bad cycle with one of my kids. So I decided to write down everything I noticed her doing well for seven days straight. At first, this felt super awkward and a bit forced because I'd write things like, well, she didn't miss the school bus today <laughs> and she didn't argue about wearing her coat in the 20 degree weather like she normally does. I realized, though, that those were negatives in disguise. So I forced myself to dig a little bit deeper. And so as I was watching her with some of her friends one day, I noticed her being super creative coming up with fun activities for the group when they're bored, right? They're all just sitting there like, we're bored. And she's coming up with these elaborate games that they could make believe and play. And then I also saw her point out when someone else did something really well. Years later, like 10 years later, she took the Strength Finders assessment and ideation and individualization were in her top five, both of which were evidenced in those interactions that I had written down previously. 
So regardless of whether you use an official assessment or you look online for a list of well-known character strengths and consider which ones those seem to describe your kids, you can, with some observation, you can come up with a list perhaps. And then after you've made some educated guesses, ask your kid, so what have you done recently that's made you really excited or energized? And their answer to that question will give you another clue about what their strengths are because our strengths energize us, right? So after you figure all that stuff out, then the key is to intentionally call attention to those strengths in your kids. And again, you don't want this to sound like forced or like super awkward. Oh, I see you living out your individualization strength, <laughs> which I mean, now it's kind of a joke in my house, so I can sort of say that, but it would be more like if your kid has the strength of being an includer, praising her when you see her inviting the new kid to play, right? Um, or if your kid has the strength of empathy or caring, thanking him for the way that he helped another child who fell down at the basketball game, helped that child get up, right? Took his time to do that. I'd also just should say that while I know half of this sounds like a commercial for Gallup Strength Finders, um, I do totally love it. And I think that it's worth the 10 to $20 it costs to take it. But there are other similar tools available online. And we can include, like, I can give you the links to include those in the show notes. That would be perfect. So what about parents who are really, really at the end of the rope and they're thinking, I'm not even sure if my kid does something positive every day. Is there a way to take the things that are driving us absolutely insane and finding the strength in that? So maybe it's your child has the strength of empathy. And so that might mean that he does feel things much more deeply and is emotionally in tune more than, you know, the average other person who doesn't have empathy in their top five or whatever. And so maybe that looks like when you're having a bad day, your kid's having a bad day, which is terrible for us, right? Because it feels like we always have to be on. But if you have a child that's regulating, seems like they're regulating off of you, could that be a clue that maybe they do have empathy and we can try to start slowly turning the ship to recognize the things that our kids do that drive us crazy and find the hidden strength in them? Yeah, one of the things uh, I mentioned, there's a ton of research online about strength finders, right? So one of the sites that I love to go to a lot lists the yays and yucks for each strength. And I was in a job at one point where all of my job interactions fell into the yuck category for my strengths. So it was like stuff that I was doing on a daily basis given my strengths made me feel really yucky. And one of the things I think has been helpful for some people is to look at those lists and when they immediately think of the strength, they might not think they have it, but then when they start looking at what, are, how does this strength look yucky, for example, they're like, oh, I realize the reason I didn't recognize that was a strength in me is because I haven't really been living it at all. I've only, I've been stuck in the yuck cycle for that strength, right? I've been stuck... Some people might call it the, the shadow side or um, other people talk about being in the, the balcony or the basement of your strength. And they might call that being in the basement of your strength, whatever language you want to use to talk about it. The point is you're stuck in a bad cycle. And so you might not, as a parent of a kid like this, you might not get to see the, the really good parts of that, of their strength when they're stuck in those cycles. 
Mm, it's so good to know that the strengths can come out as strengths or as yucks. <laughs> That's really freeing too. Um, so what, as a parent of older children and young adults, I'm realizing more and more I can try to influence my kids, but mostly I just spend a lot of time on my knees praying for them and keeping my mouth shut about what they're doing so that they have the privilege of learning some of their lessons as they go. and because we haven't been parents to them forever, we don't have as much influence. We don't have as much say into what they're doing. And I think even for our kids who are really securely attached to us, you know, we're starting to realize that it's from a place of fear that we try to, you know, direct strongly influence our kids or just plain out try to control them anyway. So what would you say to parents who have especially teens and young adults, where we really have to start letting them be their own person, make their own decisions. What if you see them walking down a path that is maybe bringing out the yuck side of their strengths or isn't kind of honoring the strengths that they have? Do you have anything to say about that? Yeah. I mean, first I want to say, unlike a lot of other tools, Strength Finders isn't one that says, oh, if you have this strength, you should go do this job, right? It's not that type of prescription for a career. Part of this came out of their exploration of what leadership traits are there. And when they were exploring that, they realized, oh, all of these strengths are found in good leaders. The key is not the strength itself, but the key is living your strength right? Because when we are living our strength, literally the sky is the limit. We can do amazing things when we are living our strengths that we could never do if we are merely just trying to stay, stay on the, in the rat race or stay, you know, just, oh, I'm just putting one foot in front of the other, right? That's really depressing and discouraging to have to live like that. So, as parents, I think our job here is to model living our strengths to our kids. So when we are energized by our work, because we are living as God intended us to with, you know, living the strengths that he gave us, then that energy is infectious, right? Who doesn't want to love what they do? Of course, we don't all love every aspect of every day of our jobs. But when we're living our strengths, the yay parts of our day generally overshadows the yuck. And God created us for work. So all kinds of work. It's not like there are only certain jobs or certain work that are God-fulfilling or God-ordained. We can serve him well, no matter what sort of work we're doing, as long as we're living the strengths that he gave us for his glory. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes a ton of sense. And everything you're saying I think I just feel more and more freedom about. So I love that this is a tool that doesn't box us in, but gives us more tools, more freedom. And I just know that there are so many parents out there that where this will be something new. It's, it's not something I'm hearing a lot about in the parenting world. I've heard it a lot in the business world and the leadership world. And I'm so excited to start thinking about it in my life in terms of parenting. And I am so grateful for just your passion for it and your willingness to share with our listeners all the ways that they can use it. And it's always so great to just have one more thing that supports us as parents and helps our kids 
understand how fabulous they are because they have overcome so many things already and anything that we can do to further empower them I think is really important. And like you said, focus on the positive because you know that this is a hard job and you have walked this also. And so it's just so great to have words and have practical things to help turn around some of those really tough circumstances and give us more hope for what we're doing. Absolutely. That's why I love doing this because I love seeing the look on people's faces when they, when I say to them, you know, this is a really awesome set of strengths. And they're like, what? You know, I had, I've, do you know how many people I've had apologize to me and say, oh, these are terrible strengths, aren't they? And I'm like, what? Are you crazy? There's no such thing as a terrible strength. The way that you have them and the way that you live them is amazing. Um, so I love that. One of the things I really love about Wendy's perspective on strengths is that, you know, she talks about the fact that sometimes what we see as a weakness or a problem in ourselves or in our kids, I know with one of my kids, I thought he is the most stubborn child, but actually he has incredible perseverance, you know, so it depends on how I'm, how I'm looking at it. And there are other things with some of my adult kids that I used to not love so much as their mom that now I see in their adult lives and think, wow, that really is a gift to them. Their resilience or whatever it is, is a, is a really good thing. It's a strength. Yeah. I appreciate that because I think we've talked about this before. I'm, I can be a really critical person. I'm always looking for betterment and I love the idea of strengths. And I love what this can do for our kids' self-confidence. I often hear from parents who say, you know, gosh, my kid is just like that shame factor and they just feel like they're not good at anything. And a lot of our kids struggle academically. Some of them struggle socially. And so to be able to have something tangible that gives words to their personality and shows them how their character traits are actually strengths and how everything can be turned into a strength, I think is such a powerful tool. And I really, again, I wish too for my older kids that we had had this because it's something where I feel like I need a tool to help me reframe my perspective like that. And so I'm really excited that you guys get to have this. Yes. And one other thing I would say is that, you know, we, in our culture, in our world, we value certain strengths. And especially as I've watched my kids come to the end of high school and applying to college, you know, there's so much emphasis on things like SAT scores and GPAs and can you, are you, what kind of athlete are you and all these things. But, you know, not all of our kids excel in those types of things. And the strengths finders really helps to broaden out the way we think about our children's strengths. And I love that. It's great. So as I mentioned in the interview, we will have links to the resources that Wendy talked about, such as where to take the Clifton Strengths or the Strengths Explorer, which is for younger children, the University of Pennsylvania's resources, and the Playfield Institute's resources will all be at the show notes. You can find those at theadoptionconnection.com slash 17. In addition to those links, Wendy has created this fantastic download for us. It's a little cheat sheet on how to recognize strengths in our kids and then go ahead and celebrate them. So this is definitely something that you want to print out. 
stick on your refrigerator as a little reminder. It's a way to reframe what might be rubbing us the wrong way as strengths instead of weaknesses or annoyances. And then Wendy put together a couple years ago a really powerful devotional book. It's called Adopted for Daily Life. And so in addition to the download and the little cheat sheet, Wendy is also gifting us a week-long devotional that she wrote on failure. And so we talked about that in the interview, how failure can plague us as moms, and then also it plagues our kids because of their hard experiences and their really low self-esteem. So this is something maybe you could work through together with your child or maybe gift it to him or her. The downloads are available at the show notes. Again, you can find those at theadoptionconnection.com slash 17. The devotional is available on Amazon. We will have that linked in the show notes. But again, it's called Adopted for Daily Life, a devotional for adopting moms. And it was a collaborative effort with many writers, including myself, And Wendy did a fantastic job of putting that together. If you want to connect further with Wendy, you can find her at stillnottthereyet.com. That's where she occasionally blogs. And she also has a Facebook page by that name. So again, we will include all those links for you at the show notes, everything organized in one place, theadoptionconnection.com slash 17. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work, and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.